Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your leading in our lives. And uh, God, truly our desire is that we would go where you would lead us. Uh, Lord, our desire is that we would be walking in a manner that is worthy to the calling to which we've been called in Jesus. And I just thank you for the work that you've done. Uh, Lord, thank you that because of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross, we have life, we have forgiveness in his name, and we have true meaning and purpose for living today. Uh, Thank you for your presence with us this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word. Uh, Your word is truth. Your word is alive and active today, and we trust your word, Lord. And uh, we would ask now as we open your word, and we do this as a privilege, uh, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we might uh, see what you would want us to see, we would apply what you would want us to apply, that we might live lives that are pleasing to you. Uh, Thank you again for this opportunity to continue worshiping you, Lord, as we look at your word together in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, Mission View Church. Uh, I am so happy to be with you folks this morning. Uh, My name is Bruce, for those of you who don't know who I am, and I am visiting with you all the way from far away, Maranatha Bible Church. And uh, so delighted to be with you today. I serve as one of the pastors on staff at Maranatha. I'm part of our preaching team there, and also serve as one of our elders Uh, at the church, and uh, Pastor Steve had asked me to come and open God's Word uh, while he's away on vacation, and was so excited to have the opportunity to come and just worship with you all and uh, open God's Word together. Uh, You've been in a series entitled Unlikely Heroes, and uh, when uh, Steve had shared with me the series that you guys were in and and where I would be preaching, uh, I just thought, man, what a great uh, series, Unlikely Heroes, because probably all of us are familiar with some sort of really uh, present-day, unlikely hero. And we probably all have stories that we could share of unlikely heroes in our own lives, people that we know or things that we have witnessed or things that we have seen that we never expected or we never thought we would see. Uh, I want to share with you something briefly. Um, I was on uh, YouTube uh, looking at a couple different... um, you know, uh, videos as it relates to heroes and unlikely heroes and things people have done. And I don't know how many of you are, are cat people in here. You really like cats. So anybody like that in here? Some of you like cats. I got to confess, I'm, I'm not a like real big cat person. I, I don't like despise cats like some people do, but I'm not also not like a, a big, oh, cats. Uh, I like dogs more than cats. But I saw this video that's been around for some time of this cat that is a hero because there was this young child who was being attacked by a dog. How many of you have seen that video? This young child's being attacked viciously by this dog, and this cat comes running out of nowhere. Like, he he should have had, like, a Superman cape on, and he chases the dog away and saves this little child uh, from serious, serious injury. I mean, it's a pretty crazy video, and you watch it, and you think, that cat is a hero. And, and if you ever heard someone say, I got to tell you about this cat that's a hero, you might look at them like, what? <laughs> a cat that's a hero. Yes. And when you watch this video, and if you haven't watched it yet, you'll have to check that out. Uh, I don't know what you would even put. Maybe hero cat saves kid, something like that. And, and you'll see it. But this cat, literally, it's the craziest thing, comes running out of nowhere and chases this vicious dog away and, and saves this kid. It's incredible. Well, I thought about that as think about unlikely heroes, and one of the reasons this unlikely heroes title is so fitting is because anyone that we look at in God's word that God used to accomplish great things 
fell short at some time in their lives. No matter who it is that we look at, and we're in Hebrews chapter 11 just to begin with, I want to touch on a couple verses as we get into the two unlikely heroes we're going to look at this morning. But any human being, any person to walk the face of the planet Earth, with the exception of Jesus Christ, has fallen short of the, the perfect standard of God, no matter who they are. And we've looked at a lot of different people over the last several weeks, and I've looked with you because I've listened to some of the messages online that have been preached, that have been delivered. And, and it's incredible because no matter whose name we put up, no matter whose uh, name we examine is found in God's word, they would fall short in some area of their lives because there are no perfect people in God's word apart from Jesus. Aren't you thankful for that this morning? There's no perfect people in here apart from Jesus Christ. Because he alone is without sin. He alone is perfect. He alone is God in flesh. And no one else could measure up to that standard. And so when we look at unlikely heroes, really the people that God uses, no matter how great or how small they may seem in the eyes of man, they are unlikely heroes in the plan of God. Only able to do what they have done because of the power of God in their lives. And I want to tell you there's encouragement for you and I today. Because if you look at our lives, chances are people could look at all these things and say, nope, can't use that, can't use that, can't use that, can't use that. Or no, you fall short in this area, this area, this area, and this area. But here's the great thing. Our God does not fall short in any area. And so if you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, do you realize God wants to also use you and me in accomplishing his plan? Say, that's completely unlikely. It is, apart from him. But in him, God can do some amazing things. Amen? And so we're going to look at that this morning. I want to just read a couple of verses found in Hebrews chapter 11, continuing on in this Hall of Faith chapter. And then we're going to look at these two names of these individuals that we want to look at today. You probably already know because it was kind of cheating. It was up on the screen behind me as we look at David and Samuel this morning. But Hebrews chapter 11, 32 to 34, continuing on in this great Hall of Faith chapter, it says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. When you read through all of the things that these men and women of God did, in the scriptures, you just have to stop and stand amazed and say, this is absolutely incredible that God has used people to accomplish these things. And hopefully you can relate to that in some way, shape, or form as you've seen God work in your own life. Uh, this morning as we look at Samuel and David, a prophet and a king, uh, I think it's very important that we will see in their lives uh, six specific faith steps. It's early to say that real quick. Six specific faith steps that we're going to see that these men took, three each, three for Samuel, three for David, that I hope will be uh, relevant, applicable, and helpful for you and I as we seek to live for Jesus in the world in which we live. Um, I want to just start off by telling you a little bit about Samuel. Uh, some of you may be very familiar with Samuel. Some of you may not be familiar with Samuel. And so I want to try to encompass who Samuel is in a nutshell for you this morning so you can kind of get up to speed with where we're at. But Samuel was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets of Israel. 
Uh, pretty important guy by way of world standards as it relates to the titles that he held. He was the last of the judges and the first of the prophets. And you would say, well, why is that a big deal? Uh, the prophet of God during the Old Testament was really God's mouthpiece or God's spokesman to the nation of Israel. This was a big deal. Samuel, as the first prophet of God, was the one that God would speak directly to, and then Samuel would take the word of the Lord to the nation of Israel, to kings, and to those in Israel, to the leaders of Israel, to communicate with them. This is what God has said. This is what God wants done. And prophets were people in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, that were to be respected, that were to, they were to be listened to, not because they in and of themselves did anything spectacular or miraculous, but because they knew that this was the one that God, the Almighty, was speaking through. And Samuel was one of those prophets. Prophets had a number of jobs, not only foretelling which is things that would yet to take place. They would tell of, of future judgments that God was going to bring or future things that would happen. But prophets also had a very big role in foretelling, in confronting the nation of Israel with their sin, in confronting the people of God with the truth of the revealed word of God at that time, the law that they had, and helping them to come to an understanding of this is what you have done before the Lord. And so prophets were not always like the best people to see come around. Um, if you're a family or you're a king or you're the nation of Israel and the prophet came, uh, you're not always excited to see him because most of the time he's coming with a word of the Lord and many times it was with pronouncement of judgment because of disobedience or because of sin. And so not necessarily something you'd always want to see. Maybe in some situations, similar to getting a statement in your mail that says like IRS on it, okay, that you're like, oh no, you're going to open it up and you know something's coming and it's not. Because the IRS normally doesn't contact you because they just want to encourage you for being a good taxpayer, <laughs> right? And so you have something like that that comes your way and you're like, what's going on here? And sometimes prophets had that feel about them because they were bringing a message from God that many times it was to confront the people. And so Samuel was one of these prophets. Um, Samuel was not a perfect man. And I want to emphasize this again because I think sometimes we can put the people that we see in God's word on such a pedestal as though they had everything figured out. They had no problems. They had no issues. They succeeded in everything that they did. Not true. And Samuel was one of these men that had flaws and had uh, areas where he would struggle and areas where he sometimes would even fail. One of the most prominent areas that he would be looked at as struggling in was his role as a father. Uh, Samuel's two sons uh, would not follow after the Lord. They were greedy. They were unjust. And that was partially the reason why Israel, the nation of Israel, who for the longest time would trust in God as their king, wanted a king like the other nations. And we don't have a lot of time to get into all that. Uh, but he had some shortcomings as a father. He was an imperfect man. Uh, Samuel is an unlikely hero because really Samuel, uh, it was miraculous that Samuel was even born. Uh, his mother, Hannah, was barren. She could not have children. And she petitioned and prayed to the Lord that he would bless her with a child. And she promised to God. She made a promise to God that if God would bless her with a child, she would present her child to be used of the Lord all of his days. And the Lord blessed Hannah with Samuel. And she did exactly as she said she would do before the Lord and she presented Samuel to the Lord. And Samuel, which means heard by God, 
would prove to be a prophet of God that was very faithful to the Lord and what he did. But an unlikely hero. Uh, the second hero we're going to look at this morning is David. And David was known in the word of God, described by God as a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. I really don't know what could be said better as a man than for God to say of me or of you as a man that's here, uh, you are a man or woman after God's own heart. What a statement that is. And yet we will see, as is the case for Samuel, also in the life of David, if you read the Old Testament scriptures and you read about David, David also was an imperfect man. He was a man that at times would struggle with sin. He would fall short also of God's perfect holy standard. And yet God would use David. And David himself would be an unlikely hero. I want to start off by looking at the first of these two men, Samuel. And we're going to begin in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, to try to encapsulate all that there is to know of these two unlikely heroes in one message is entirely impossible. And so uh, there are so many portions from God's word that we could look at this morning as it relates to wanting to understand how these men were unlikely heroes and faith steps that we could take from their lives to apply to our own. And I really settled in on two particular portions of God's word, 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 1 Samuel chapter 17. I want to read this about Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13 from 1 Samuel chapter 16. So I invite you just to follow along uh, in your copy of God's word this morning. If you have one, it's also on the screen. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Samuel is really distraught because Saul, uh, who is currently the king in Israel, at the time this was being written, um, or being told to Samuel, uh, he has basically been rejected by God as king because of his disobedience. And Samuel is just distraught over this. He's troubled at this. And so uh, the word of the Lord comes to Samuel. And he says, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. This is a pretty legitimate question that Samuel is worried about. He asks God, God, you're asking me to go. How can I go? Because if I leave, the king is going to kill me. If he finds out that I'm going to crown someone else king or to anoint someone else as king, he is not going to be happy. Now, what's interesting to me as I read this is I always think about how this is the humanity, again, of Samuel and the imperfect side of Samuel. He's asking Almighty God kind of in fear and in some doubt, if God can handle the king who is Saul. That's kind of what he's asking here. And you see his humanity here, because we would have the same question, wouldn't we? We'd have the same worry. Uh, and so he talks to the Lord about this, and it says, And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Here's what I love. God doesn't even answer him. I love this. Samuel's like, Lord, if I go, Saul's going to want to kill me. How can I go? And the Lord doesn't say, well, Samuel, I'll be with you. I'll take care of it. I'm able to. He just says, yeah, take a heifer with you. <laughs> like, you're going, okay? This is what I'm calling you to do, so you're going. Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show you what you shall do, and you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. 
And here's what I love. Look at verse 4. Samuel did what the Lord commanded, and he came to Bethlehem. He obeyed here. He did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, do you come peaceably? This is where, you see what it says, the elders of the city came to meet Samuel the prophet. It says they came trembling. They were fearful. Remember what we talked about just a couple minutes ago. When the prophet shows up, you wonder what's going on. And it says that they came to him trembling, and they asked, do you come peaceably? And he said, peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. And when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. Great verse there. Because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Uh, this is incredible because in this passage, I believe we see in Samuel's life some very key faith steps or faith principles in Samuel's life. And I know a lot of times when we look at this passage, the emphasis can be on David. The emphasis can be on the one that the Lord is going to anoint as king. But I want us to see some things about Samuel that I think are very important. The first is this. Faith listens. Faith listens. If you look at this passage, when the Lord comes to Samuel and he tells him to go, Samuel initially had some doubts. Now Samuel initially presented before the Lord his heart and saying, Lord, I can't go. How can I go? If the king hears, he's going to have me killed. He's going to destroy me. And the Lord just tells Samuel, no, you're going. And this is what I want you to do when you get there. And he spells it out for him. And then it says in verse 4, Samuel went. He obeyed the voice of the Lord. He listens to God. Faith listens. He listens to what God would want him to do. And I, I want to ask a question this morning for you and I in, in a very simple way this morning. And it's this. Do we listen to God's voice today? Do we listen to God's voice? And I want to share with you that the way God speaks to us today is right here through his word. And when we open the word of God and we read the word of God and we study the word of God and we live the word of God, we are listening to what God has said for us and we are putting it into action. We are obeying. We are listening to his voice. And here's the problem. Sometimes we are so distracted by everything that is coming around us, all of the voices of the world around us, that in the midst of all of it, we fail to listen at all to the voice of God. It is so easy to listen to whoever is the loudest voice in your life right now. And for some of us, 
The loudest voice in our life today is not the Lord. It is friends, it is family, it is our jobs, it is our hobbies, it is our uh, classmates, it is our schooling, it is whatever. We allow all of those voices to be so loud in our ears that we fail to listen to God's voice in our lives. And that should not be so. I want to share with you that hopefully you know this as well. There are times in my life when I feel the prompting of God reading his word and God speaks and says something in his word and, and I know what God wants me to do, but I, I just fail to listen because I really don't care. I'll, I'll, I'll move on and listen to someone else. Jesus said something very interesting in the New Testament describing himself as the good shepherd. He said this, my sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Uh, we should be so in tune to hearing God's voice on his frequency that no matter how crazy things get around us, we still want to be listening for God's voice over any other voice that's coming in our heads. All of us should be in tune with God so much and his word that we desire to listen for his voice. I remember as a kid, we used to uh, play football and go outside, and I'd be all over the place with my friends from morning till night at, at summertime, riding bikes and playing football and playing wiffle ball and all these things. And we had like kind of this radius around my house where I had friends that lived, and I could be like two blocks away from home playing in someone's backyard, and in the midst of everything that was going on, I could hear my dad calling out the door for me to come home because I would hear his, yeah, I would hear my name coming from my dad's voice. No lie. I'd be two blocks away, and I would hear, my nickname's Boo, and I'd hear him go, Boo! And I'd be like, no matter what was going on, I got to go, right? Because I, I had to leave, and I could hear him no matter where I was at. You know, as a parent, it's like that now with my children. I can hear my children's voice above all the commotion and crowd that's going on around me because I am in tune with it. I listen for it. I'm ready for it. This is how it should be with our walk with God. We should be listening for God's voice. If you're trying to make a decision today, you don't know what to do, listen for God's voice over other voices. If a lot of people are pressuring you, telling you you should do this or do that or go here or go there, and you're like, I just don't know what, I don't know who to listen to, let me encourage you, listen to God's voice. And that is always going to be in conjunction with the word of God. See, you never have to worry about God's voice bringing confusion because God will always be entirely consistent with himself. And that's in his word that he's given to us. Listen to God's voice. Faith listens. But I also think in Samuel's life, and in this particular chapter, you see this, that faith trusts. Faith trusts. And it's one thing to listen. It's one thing to hear the voice of God. It's one thing to know what God wants, but it's entirely something different to trust him. Faith trusts. I use this again in this passage where, where Samuel had his, his reasonings that he shouldn't go. God, the king's going to kill me if I go. Are you kidding? I can't do this. And God just kind of speaks over that and tells Samuel, here's what you got to do. And what does he do? Samuel just demonstrates this full trust he has in God. He says, okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll trust you, God. I, I know that you know better than I do. 
There are so many scriptures that speak of trusting in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths, right? Uh, if Jesus were here today, present, physically standing amongst us, and he was up here, and he asked us to do something, and he said afterwards, do you trust me? Would any of us dare say to Jesus, as he asked, do you trust me? Not sure, Jesus. Kind of prove yourself to me first. And yet, isn't that what we do? When we know what God wants us to do, what he's called us to do, and we don't do it, are we not sometimes saying, I don't know if I trust you. I'm not sure about this one. Faith trusts. The question today is, do we trust that God knows better than we do? Do we trust that God knows better than we do? If you look at this passage in 1 Samuel 16, when all of these were coming before Samuel, look at verse 6. It says, when they came, these are the, the sons of Jesse, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely there's, the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature. I have rejected him. Samuel looks, and in Samuel's rationale, and in his mindset, he's saying, this is the guy. Tall, handsome, strong. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the one that should be king in Israel. And the Lord says, I've rejected him. No. You don't read that Samuel puts up a fight. We don't read that Samuel's like, Lord, are you sure? Look how tall he is. I'm not picking on tall people, all right? I mean, that's the way you were born, all right? So, but he says, are you sure this is not the one that you want? He doesn't say that. He says in his rationale, in his mind, this is who I would pick. And the Lord says, no, I've rejected him. It's not him. And so the next comes, and the same thing over and over and over again. And the Lord says, no, 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 no. And here's the thing I think is so interesting. After all the sons of Jesse come before Samuel, except for David, Je he didn't know Jesse had another son yet. But when all the sons have come together, Samuel does not say to the Lord, well, Lord, see, I told you. Told you it should have been one of the early. We got none left. Now what? No, what does he say? He asks Jesse, do you have any more? Are you missing anybody? There's still no, no sense before the Lord that he's not trusting the Lord here. And Jesse says, no, there's one more. But it's little David who's, who's keeping the sheep, the youngin. He's out there who, who was thought of in such a lesser manual, uh, manner that he didn't even cross the mind of his own dad. Thanks, dad, to even have him come before the prophet. You know, David's out there doing his thing. All the other brothers are brought before, and someone's like, well, it's because he was the youngest. He was the youngest, but, but listen, he didn't just present the oldest. They were all there ready to go, and he presented all of them. And it wasn't until Samuel says, Dad, you got any more sons? Yeah, I got David. But he's, but he's all this. Samuel says, we will not eat until I see him. Bring him here. We will not eat till I see him. Do we trust that God knows better than we do? Do we trust the Lord that he knows better than we do? You know, one of the things I do not like at all is uh, driving with people who don't know how to drive. Uh, and I'm talking about other drivers, all right? And, and so um, how many of you have a smartphone where you ever use Siri here for for things, or you use your map on here to try to get navigation somewhere, or use your GPS. I use that all the time, the GPS, and sometimes the GPS is wrong. 
uh, when I put different uh, addresses in my phone. But um, I, I get frustrated sometimes. I'm a very patient person normally, but when I drive, that's like my one Achilles heel when it comes to patience is driving. Uh, example, I was traveling here this morning, and I'm in the car, and I'm all excited to be able to open God's Word. I'm in a very good mood. I was singing, and uh, in my car, how many of you are singers in the car? You like to like really belt it out. And so, like, I'm belting out, I exalt thee. I mean, that is a song you could just be like, ah. I mean, you could just lay it out there, right, when no one's listening. And so I'm driving, and I'm singing, I exalt thee, and I'm ready to go. I'm like, I'm going to, can't wait to preach today. And I'm, and I'm driving, and a car pulls out in front of me. And no joke, I'm like, I exalt, I can't believe you did that. And I, I mumbled something under my breath about the guy that pulled out. And, like, as I'm driving by him, I'm, like, giving him the look, like, thanks a lot, buddy. And I'm like, I exalt. Like, and then you just continue. <laughs> That's not right. Something's wrong there. But anyhow, my point is, is that sometimes when we look for GPS coordinates, and I put them in for the church here. I've been here before, but I couldn't remember what road I had to turn on. It took me to the wrong location. Instead of making a left off of Main Street onto 7th, it had me make a right onto 7th off of Main Street. And I just ended up somewhere that I was like, this is not the church. I, I didn't know where I was at. And so knowing that, I will never trust my GPS to get me here again. Now I know where I'm at, so I'm okay. But because it has failed me once, shame on it, but failed me twice, shame on me, right? And so I'm thinking, I'm not trusting it anymore because it's failed me. Listen, I understand the concept, and we all understand the concept, that when someone or something fails us, it causes us to have doubts about whether or not we can trust them again in the future. Folks, I want to tell you something. God never fails us. He will never fail us. He has never failed us. And God's track record is so good that there should be zero room for doubt when it comes to can we trust him. So when God calls and he tells and he instructs and he gives, in full confidence and assurance we can trust because he is God. And I believe Samuel knew that and saw that in his life and he responded in that way to what God had called him to do. Do we trust that God knows better than we do? And we demonstrate that day in and day out, don't we? Do we really trust him that he knows better than we do? I'm going to go quickly here. The last point with Samuel is that faith obeys. Faith obeys. After all the sons came through, it says, verse 12, he sent and brought in David David was ruddy and had beautiful eyes. He was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. You know what it says in the very next verse, in verse 13, after it says the Lord told him to anoint him? It says, Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. No questions. No rationalizing. No yeah buts. No, but can we bring the other guy over in here? He took the oil and anointed David. Why? Because the Lord called him to, instructed him to, and he obeyed and he listened. Faith obeys. The question I have for us today is this. Do we obey even when others would doubt? Do we obey even when others would doubt? Faith 
obeys. There are a lot of times in our lives that maybe we feel God strongly wants us to do something and everyone around us would say, how could you possibly do that? But faith obeys even when others would doubt. Uh, not long ago, we took our kids to uh, Great Wolf Lodge up in Sandusky to go to the water park there. And uh, my youngest, Lydia, who is four, and she takes after her dad. She's about three foot tall, and, uh, but she's only four. And so we went there, and there was a slide that we were trying to encourage her to go. We said, honey, if you would go on the slide, you'd love it. You'd have so much fun. And she was scared, and she didn't want to go on it. And, and we weren't going to force her to if she didn't really want to, you know, if she was going to be terrified. And, uh, and so we were like, but you'd really like it. And so I was like, honey, I'll, I'll go. Daddy will go up with you and, and stand there with you the whole time. And, and she was like, oh, okay. And she took my hand. She went up. And, and she wouldn't go on her own. But if I went with her, she was good to go. She was going to go with me. And so finally, she mustered up the courage if I went with her to go down the slide. And then she just absolutely loved it. And the rest of the time we were there, that was like the slide she wanted to be on the entire time we were there. Wanted to go again and again and again and again. First she doubted. She was scared. If I went with her and she went and she trusts me, she went down. Then she saw that this was the greatest thing. It was the greatest thing. I think so often in our walk with God, our tendency is to doubt first rather than to trust him first. But God wants us to trust him and to obey him because there is something so much greater for us if we do that. And a lot of times we never see it because we just refuse to obey. Do we obey even when others would doubt? Samuel did, and God would bless him, and God would use him in a mighty way. I want to move over one chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and quickly look at David. 1 Samuel 17, I want to read to you two portions from 1 Samuel 17. First is verses 32 to 37. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Speaking of Goliath, who wasn't just another guy. He was a Philistine, enemy of Israel, military just destroyer, I guess you could call him. Um, he was this huge Philistine warrior that was defying God and defying the armies of Israel. And all of the, the military personnel of Israel, Saul, the king included, were just terrified because of this guy, Goliath. And so here David is, same David, same shepherd, uh, same guy that was not even considered by his own dad as a possibility to do anything great. He says to the king, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Verse 33 and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. If he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God." And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. That's, that's bold talk right there for this young shepherd David. Goes to the king of Israel and says, is this Philistine, doesn't even refer to him as like Goliath, this champion, this warrior. This Philistine is defying the armies of God 
I'm going to go and I'm going to basically defeat him. I'm going to go kill him. Don't worry about him. I got this. Right? And Saul's like, how in the world are you going to do this? You're but a youth. Like, you're a little guy. You can't do this. And what does David say? David tells this story to Saul. He's like, listen, Saul, the same God that delivered me when there was a bear or a lion coming after my flock of sheep that God delivered into my hands. And if they rose up against me, I killed them. I'm going to do the same to him. If you're Saul, what do you say to that? Right? You just heard this kid has killed a lion and a bear. By the time he's, what, 16 years old? Kills a lion and a bear? And look at what Saul says in regards to this. He doesn't know what to say, and he says this. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. That's all he says. Go, and may the Lord be with you, David. What do I say to that? How do you answer that? David was a man after God's own heart, and I think we see from David's life here, David would demonstrate great faith in a number of regards. And I want to tell you a few things I think are true of David's life in this passage. One, faith upholds. Faith upholds. And I want to ask the question with this point, do we uphold the name of the Lord in the society and day and age in which we live? Do we uphold the name of the Lord? Do we call ourselves by the name that we are followers of Jesus Christ? Do we uphold the name of the Lord? Is God's name important to you? Is God's name important to me? Do we value the name of our God? Do we want to make much of him? See, David's concern with Goliath was that Goliath was defying God. He says, let no man fail because of this man. And what does he say? He says that this Philistine who is defying the name of God will be just like the lion and the bear that God put into my hand that I conquered because he's defying the name of the Lord. David was concerned for the name of the Lord. I've heard many people say, listen, you don't really have to defend God because God is good at defending himself. That's entirely true. But I want to tell you as a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to defend Jesus. And so when someone wants to mock Jesus or make fun of Jesus or belittle Jesus or say Jesus isn't real or Jesus isn't this or Jesus isn't that, I will speak truth about Jesus because I love Jesus, because I love my God. And so I want to uphold the name of my God, even if no one else wants to. I'm going to, and I hope you will as well. Do we uphold the name of the Lord? Is that something we value? Is that something that we want to do, that we are passionate about? Or are we very content to just let whatever happens, happens, and not really worry about upholding the name of the Lord? Christians are very good at making themselves undercover. But how many of us are really that strong as it relates to wanting to make much of our God? Last week, I shared the illustration. I was out to eat with my family, and, and everywhere I went, there were Girl Scouts pushing their cookies. These girls are faithful, pushing their Girl Scout cookies. And store after store after store, and like, I like tagalongs. How many of you like tagalongs? They're like the peanut butter, chocolate. They're good, right? And so I'm going into the restaurant, and as we're there, we're there for like three minutes, four minutes, and I had like five different Girl Scouts ask me if I want cookies. 
I'm like, maybe on the way out, maybe on the way out, maybe on the way out, maybe on the way out. Maybe It's like my trained thing, right? So maybe on the way out, honey, maybe on the way out, maybe on the way out. And so we finally get in there, and we're coming out, and, like, you see the table there, and it's like, oh, I wonder if they're going to ask again. They already asked me, like, ten times. And sure enough, sir, would you like some Girl Scout cookies? And it doesn't matter how mad you look or how happy you look. It doesn't, look, it doesn't matter if you look friendly or if you look like an enemy. You are getting offered Girl Scout cookies. And you have to give in. And I'm like, ah, yeah, we'll take a box of the tagalongs, right? And it's just, you just have to because they're so passionate and they're so dedicated and they're so focused that no matter who you are, it is their mission that you will not leave their presence without being offered a box of Girl Scout cookies. Is that how we are with the name of the Lord on a day-in and day-out basis? Do we make much of God to those that come in contact with us every single day of our lives? Have you ever walked by a Girl Scout cookie stand where you didn't know what they were selling? Never! Yet how many people walk by believers day in and day out their entire lives and never know? about the gift of God that gives life because there's never a word spoken. You see, David was concerned for the name of the Lord and he was going to uphold the name of God even before the most ruthless challenge. He was not going to back away. Secondly, faith remembers. You read here that David's confidence was in what God has done do we remember what God has done as confidence for what he can do? Think of that for a second. Do we remember what God has done as confidence for what he can do? Listen, if we look at God's track record, it's pretty good, isn't it? God's track record is pretty good. Uh, it's perfect. And so do we remember what God has done as confidence for what God could do? David took confidence and encouragement in heart from the fact that God has showed up for me in the past and he will show up again for me now. He took confidence in that. He trusted God. He was upholding God's name. And he was remembering what God can do. I want to encourage us with something. When we have doubts, when we have fears, when we don't know what to do, spend some time remembering what God has already done. Spend some time remembering what God has already done. If you're a believer in Christ today and you're here and you know Christ is your Savior and you're sitting there saying, God hasn't really done much for me. He has done much for you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ today, it is true of every single one of our lives that we were dead and God made us alive. It is true that we were condemned in our sin and God has given us forgiveness and freedom. It is true that we once had an eternity of separation from God, eternal punishment in a lake of fire, dead in our sin, and yet in Jesus Christ we have eternal life to look forward to. We were the enemy of God. Now you and I and Jesus Christ are the friends of God in him. We had no advocate. Now we do have an advocate in Jesus Christ. We had no one to go before the Father with. Now we have Jesus Christ. We once were lost and dead and filthy in our sin. It talks about how we were dead. Now in God's eyes, we are made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. 
All of that is true in our lives. God has bought us. He's redeemed us. He's adopted us. He has made us his own. That's what we have in Jesus. That's what God has done. And when we could doubt and fear, God, how could you handle this? Or how could you do this? Or what are you going to do here? Remember what God has already done as confidence for what God can continue to do. And David did that. David did that. The Lord who delivered me out of the mouth of the lion, out of the paw of the bear. The Lord who delivered me, the Lord who provided, the Lord who strengthened me, he also will do it again. I trust him. I remember him. And then finally, David shows us that faith exalts. Faith exalts. I want to read to you the last part of this chapter, verses 44 to 47, that we want to look at. 44 to 47. Goliath says to David, this is now the battle is going to take place. If you've not read David and Goliath, you don't know the story, please read 1 Samuel chapter 17. If you're planning on taking a nap this afternoon, before you take a nap, read 1 Samuel 17, and you'll be like, I gotta go running, like after you read 1 Samuel 17. But in 1 Samuel 17, verse 44, David and Goliath says this, the Philistine Goliath said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. This warrior Goliath says to little David, come to me, little boy, and I'm gonna give your flesh to the birds of the field, uh, birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, I'm sorry, Mr. Philistine, giant challenger Goliath. No, to this, David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and with a spear that's bigger than I am, by the way, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. You come to me with all your weapons. I come to you in the name of the one true God. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. David, what are you doing? Right? If you're... If you're the nation of Israel and you hear this, you're like, this poor kid, what is he doing? This day the Lord will deliver you to my hand. I will strike you down and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines. Hey, everybody listening, I'm going to give your bodies to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth. Why? That they may know that David is a warrior. No. Why? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That there, yes. Faith exalts. Faith exalts. It exalts the name of the Lord. It makes much of Jesus. Listen, folks, we never have to worry about building Jesus up too much in the eyes of people. You never have to worry about, well, how much should I really build them up? Because I don't want people to be let down. You can never do that. Faith exalts. It says the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. The Lord is the one who saves. The Lord is the one who conquers. I want to tell you not to spoil the story, but I'm going to spoil it anyhow. David ends up taking Goliath's head from him. And the armies of Israel had an amazing, miraculous victory that day. Faith exalts. Faith exalts. Do we seek to exalt the Lord over ourselves? Do we seek to exalt the Lord over anything and everything else? I am so far over time. <laughs> I apologize. Some great faith steps, I believe, from the life of Samuel and David. We're going to close with a song this morning. And I want to encourage you as we do.
to express, first of all, a heart of gratefulness and thanksgiving to God. Because he alone is God. And he alone is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So maybe this morning as we close with a song, you can exalt and give thanks to God, who is the one true living God. So give him thanks. Secondly, maybe today as we wrap up, you need to spend some time not only giving thanks to God for who he is, but remembering what he has done in your life and my life. Let's remember this morning. Let's recount all of the amazing things God has accomplished in our lives through Jesus. And then thirdly, maybe you need to commit to him this morning that you will make much of his great name, which means speaking up about Jesus when others would be silent, which means following and obeying God's word even when others would not obey, and it means fully trusting him even when others would doubt. Our God is so good. And he is the one who makes unlikely heroes happen every day. Every day through the power that he gives. Let's stand together and just express a heart of thanksgiving to him.